Hello, and welcome back to the ring. I am your host, of course, the one and only, yes, yes, it's me, Dr. B.O.B., and with me, as always, the uh, lawyer of the Dr. Bob Medical Practice has his own practice, and let me tell you, if you need to make an announcement that you need to make an announcement, he's the one to write it for you, the one and only Rob the Lawyer. How are you today, Rob? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm, I'm I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Can't can't complain too much. This was a this this was a good week. I like this doing one episode a week. This worked out really well. I agree. And this episode actually was really good too. So yeah, I'm very it, happy. Yeah, it was. Like this was. Uh, I remember I got about halfway through. And I was like, damn, this is a, like there's a lot going on in this. Yeah. One. Um. So do you want to go ahead and jump right into the episode? I've got a list of other topics here. Whatever you want. It's your show. I just co-host. Oh, you put the put all the burden on me. Decisions are so hard. That's Uh, what happens when you get top billing. (laughs) Well, there you go. Um, All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the episodes, and maybe we'll hit the other stuff halfway through. Or I'm sure we will somehow, even even by accident. It's all going to come together in one way or another. Just like AEW Fight Forever has finally come together and has a release date. That game looks horrible. Doesn't not, it? Like, like, did you notice in that one um, clip uh, with, I think it's uh, Thunder Rosa and I can't remember the other girl. Sheeta. Sheeta, yeah. They're teleporting. Mm-hmm. They're like floating into moves and the moves are just like, there's, it's not a simulation. It's more of just like an arcade masher kind of thing, I feel. Because it's like, I, th- I think she goes for like some kind of like, Nichinoku driver or something mm-hmm. and it kind of, she kind of just like floats into her arms and gets slammed yep I, the only thing that's in i guess you you know like true to aew is the amount of blood that's being um you know shed <laughs> in these matches but it's every, everything else just looks really like an arcade game it looks like the original smackdown games where you could have you know you have the opponent laying down in the corner and you go for the people's elbow and they're magically transported into the middle of the ring. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not that bad. I haven't seen anything that bad, but it's, you know, it's, it's there. Yeah. I, uh, um, I, looking at it. Uh, yes. It, it reminded me more of an arcade style fighting game than any sort of wrestling game. Yeah. I think I've ever played. Uh, even like, I mean, outside of like maybe some of the very, very early, uh nes games or super nes games when they like you know you couldn't do any sort of simulation <laughs> like that anyway yeah you yeah. know but uh any of the modern games uh i didn't play a lot of the first ones or anything on the 64 i think the first wrestling game i played was i think smackdown versus raw 06 or 09 and yeah. those were more those were closer to simulations like I, you'd watch a match and it looked you know, for the technology, it looked as good as it close to an actual wrestling match as you could get. <laughs> Except for Booker T could never get off the scissor kick. I don't know why in that game he would hit the scissor kick and then he'd do the spin a Rooney, but then he wouldn't go for the pin. <laughs> no, <laughs> just, it was like, it was like, a weird glitch him. in the game. I think pin him. But I know exactly what you're talking about. He would either he his opponent would just get up by the time he was able to move yeah or he or the computer would just never make the never go for the pin yeah but anywho it, besides something like that like an obvious glitch it was uh it, it just it, it it doesn't look good it doesn't look like a, a new generation game i was like oh no mercy and it's like well who wants a copy of a 
you know what 20 year old game yeah. like you know they I, I was looking through some videos trying to figure out where this looked familiar from you know would have been a good game to copy off of if they really wanted to get a throwback to no mercy what the def the def jam series mm-hmm. def, def jam was put out by aki and thq and if you watched at least the first game i, I didn't play fight for new york or rise for new york or whatever it was called mm. Um, it was the same engine. They had the strong grapples, the running grapples, the um, weak grapples, uh, strong strikes, every, everything you wanted from No Mercy, but it was more fluid. The moves were um, you know, revamped, and the gameplay was a lot better. It just had, instead of using you know, WWE license or any wrestling license at the time, it was the, you know, a record label they used. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, but it was actually really good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, it didn't rest on the whole idea of, oh, we're just going to you know, take the engine, port it over, and just add better graphics. They, they revamped a lot of stuff in it to make it more um, modern. So like, it's, it's always odd to me when I hear people say, oh, we want to see the No Mercy game. Um, you know, again, like you, you, you had that, you had it in Def Jam and yeah. yes, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't pro wrestling, but it was still action taking place in a ring. Mm-hmm. And instead of, um, you know, the rock, you had DMX. Yeah. But that would, that would have been a good thing to just follow off of. Instead, they try to re they're trying to based on what I can see, they're reinventing the wheel, but not doing nothing to advance it it's the same technology it's the same engine they they just repainted it they just repainted an old game and and and, you know license it as aw and the the thing is is how much did this thing cost them again like a million right didn't they say five million or something like that i thought it was closer to 10 maybe like i thought it was like a ridiculously high amount especially for what they were doing um I think what was it was it the video game developers that were saying that it's because they kept asking for little things to be changed or little things to be added. And they were like, and that caused us to have to go back and basically rewrite all the code for all of this different shit because they wanted to do one little thing differently or something. I don't know, but uh, it, that that's what happens when the, the only people, the people in charge of your video games have only ever played video games. Yeah. You know, so like, and they're too arrogant to listen to people who are actually experts in the field. You know, that's that, that's the other thing. It's kind of like the young bucks wouldn't listen to Arn Anderson giving them a critique because, you know, even though he's an expert, he obviously knows what the fuck he's talking about. Well, who is he to say that we're the way we do things is wrong? You know, exactly. <laughs> but. So I just looked it up. If I don't know this is specifically on the video game, but according to WrestlingInc.com, uh, it's quoting a Forbes piece. Uh, Forbes, Forbes recently profiled Khan and AEW in a piece that includes comments from Tony's father, AEW lead investor Shahid Khan. The article then revealed that AEW has an eight-figure investment in video game development, which will keep the company in the red and not profitable for now. In this new interview with PWI. PW Insider, Khan revealed the eight-figure number to be twenty million. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> what? Twenty million so, on that? Twenty million to, to? I mean, it could be they put maybe, a fresh coat of paint on on a twenty-year-old game. It's entirely possible. 
that this could be towards like paying people, um, maybe getting a stake in the company that created this game. I don't know. Twenty million just seems like a lot. I don't know anything about video games, but I feel like twenty million dollars on a game oh, would not be profitable at all. Does this include Kitty Omega? Like, is Kitty Omega being paid as a performer and as a video game developer for AW? I would hope so, only because that would justify in my mind where this twenty million is going. Because I have like I can't even. Like I'm sure I I don't know how much the WWE games cost, but it can't be anywhere close to that. Yeah, and if no, it is, I, I, at least the games look fantastic and you know um, sell. Yeah. Okay, so I read a little bit more of the article. Apparently, it's an investment into the company, so that that I guess would help fund the company as well, fund fund the game as well. Okay. So you're looking. So it's a it's a figure. Twenty million was put into a company so that they could actually make a game. Mm-hmm. Because the way I'm reading this, and I don't know, and this is a pure speculation. They probably didn't want to make a game for AEW, and Khan was like, "Hey, I'll give you 20 million if you help make it." <laughs> and they were like, "Deal, done. We'll make your game." Yeah. But you know, this reminds me of the TNA game when that was coming out. You had Daniels, Styles, and a bunch of others saying, you know, saying they had like, you know, um, they got firsthand. Um, I, I forget what they were saying exactly, but they were like consulted with, they were um, utilized, and mm-hmm. yada yada. And they were talking, you know, and the promos before the game came out was like saying you could have these combo moves where you'll be punching a guy and then they'll throw another punch, and all of a sudden you're doing a Hurricane Rana. You'll have like different types of chain wrestling and all these things. And then the game came out and it was like a third of what was promised because it was no. rushed at the end of the and um, acclaim. I think it was acclaim. Didn't really care to finish it. Or to mm-hmm. give everything that was promised. Here, I think this is the same thing because I'm looking at this game and I'm thinking to myself, where it just looks unfinished. I mean, maybe it, maybe it plays better, and I'll buy it in September when it's down for ten bucks, like you like you are yeah. predicting. That's that is <laughs> but, my prediction. It's September 29th. I'm going to go into a physical GameStop. I probably should wear a bulletproof vest because GameStops get robbed all the damn time here in Georgia. Oh yeah, be careful. <laughs> um, so I'll be I'll be careful. Maybe I'll uh, uh, maybe I should conceal carry when I go into the GameStop just in case. Uh, anyway, I'll go into GameStop and I'm going to buy it used for ten dollars. I, I that's that's my thing. I think a lot of people are going to buy this game. They're going to play it for a month. They're going to be like, this is repetitive, boring, and it sucks, and sell it or trade it in. Yeah. I, you know, when you put it like that, yeah, I, I agree with you. I thought you meant it was going to be um, MSRP, brand new, 10 bucks. No. No, I'll like, buy wow. it used. Okay. Yeah. You sure you want it used? I mean, uh, I can only imagine what the AEW um, fans will be doing with that game. Well, they run it through a cleaner. Like, you know. You hope. I mean, no, they do. I've off. seen them do that. They, okay. they, have, they have a little cleaning machine that they clean them off with because, yeah, you don't want any of the the stains or even just the cheeto fingers i was more concerned with bodily fluids well that that's what i meant by stains i didn't (laughs) i didn't exactly want to go into exactly what bodily fluids or you know that's stains that you're talking about yeah that's that's between them and their video game of course gamestop probably wouldn't accept it if it were (laughs) a little sticky you know yeah it'd be like uh uh that's good (laughs) we'll pay you to keep it yeah what game did you want again yeah you can take this and that go 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 home <laughs> you know but. so look at the video i was watching the video um again this afternoon 
I feel like they spent a lot of money on them. Like, okay, so have you ever played the Dead or Alive uh, fighting game series? Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, are you? You're probably familiar with them. At one point, they they did a spinoff with like a volleyball game. Yes. Yes. And then they and, and then there was like a whole um, there was like an article or like there was like this whole like um focus about how they had a new physics engine they created a physics engine just for this game so that certain appendages would move um yeah so the boobs would bounce more there you go and the asses would bounce more yeah Yeah. i feel like they did that with this game they spent they focused all their time on the blood mechanic (laughs) so that every hit will shoot out insane amounts of blood so that you know it creates the AEW realism that we're all familiar with it's the like a Moxley engine. Basically. Mortal Kombat. AEW. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, because Moxley will come on. Finish him. It'd be so cool. Finish him yeah. like in Mortal Kombat, man. Come on. <laughs> God, the more Moxley wrestles, the more I'm, I'm just like, I can't believe I was a Dean Ambrose fan. God, it sucks. Well, like we, like I said last week, Dean Ambrose was goofy. And he was he had a uh, he had something to balance out that. uh that I want to fight everybody. It was like the, I want to fight thing was like a trigger that went off and then he'd go into like badass mode. But when he wasn't, then he was like kind of almost a relatable, goofy kind of off the wall character, which. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Cause then it's not, cause just being a, being a, like drink blood and I'm going to break your bones and eat your bones and drink your marrow and your bones and your blood. Like that's one note and it gets really fucking boring. Just like Bianca Belair. It's one fucking note. She's really fucking strong. That's it. That's her whole personality, her whole fucking gimmick, everything. And it's, it gets stale very quickly especially with today's ADHD audience, unless you're an AEW fan, which then, you know, it's pretty much a cult and you're going to like whatever's on AEW anyway. You know, Tony Khan could go out there and take a shit and they would say it was Emmy award winning television, which he basically does with his book. I like like to think that AEW fans have some level of respect for themselves and don't want to, you know, are, are not that delusional. No, no, they're not. It's they. You, the AEW would book Gigi Allen if he were still alive. Oh God! <laughs> but you know who wouldn't book him? WCW. That's right. We're into review time, folks. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> um, you know, sorry. um, on a side note, that's what's going to help our podcast eventually if we get like sound effects, <laughs> like an actual bell. Mm-hmm. I'll get a we'll little. Get I'll get a cowbell. That would be good. This is this is this is an audio file. You know, just just to click it when we're about to do something. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's good too. Um, anyway, um, now that we've gotten AEW video game talk out of the way, let's get into uh, WCW, which I really wish that WCW had gotten a better video game in the eighties because they did release one for Nintendo, but it was very, 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 very bad the nes yeah yeah i saw that one that was that was horrible yeah so they released one for super nintendo did they yeah it was wcw super brawl oh wow i didn't know that it was garbage i I imagine so weren't most of the wcw games pretty bad like one of them until wc go ahead 
No, I was saying until W until um, THQ took over. Yeah. Yeah. And then when THQ left them, it was bad again. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, but Super Bowl was pretty. I mean, Super Bowl was good for its time. They did a weird. Um, instead of, you know how, I don't know how to describe it. You were looking at the ring as if it was a diamond, basically. And, you know, everybody had their finishers. There was, um, it was the, you had the Steiner brothers, which was the only tag team there. Mm -hmm. Dustin Rhodes thing, Rick Rude, Barry Windham, Johnny B. Bad, um, Ricky Steamboat. I'm trying to think who else was on there. Vader. (laughs) Yeah, and no one really looked like their characters. Oh, Flair was there too. Yeah, um, when you'd hit your finish, there'd be an audio file that came up with them moving a little bit so that they could like celebrate, but mm-hmm. like like you still play the game. Mm-hmm. And everybody's finisher was not entirely correct. Like <laughs> Wyndham, ha- Wyndham was in it. He had the superplex, but it was just a regular suplex. Um, Johnny B. Bad had the two D three left hook, and it was just a punch. <laughs> like he was, like he would just turn around and punch you. Yeah, Vader's power bomb looked like a looked like the Dominator. <laughs> um, Ron Simmons's power slam looked like a body slam. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah it was, it was bad. Um, yeah, it, but it was. I mean, yeah. I mean, up until THQ took over, it was just a bunch of bad games. Mm. Anywho, this episode was not bad. This was actually a very very good episode. January seventeenth, nineteen eighty seven. Opens with uh, we open uh, cold open with Wyndham confronting Flair in the ring, and then we get the the little intro. Then we come in, they billboard the show. Dusty comes out, delivers a great promo, talks into uh, uh, challenges Ivan Koldoff and Vladimir, uh, what's his name, <laughs> challenges them. And Petrov? I'm right here, yeah, Petrov, Pietrov. Yeah, and uh, challenge them, saying that he and uh, Magnum are responsible for Nikita, and that you know if you want to, you know, challenge somebody, I'm right here. You don't need to worry about Nikita. You need to worry about me, so on and so forth. Then we get um, uh, Bull, Raging Bull, and Rick Rude versus Bill Tab and Rocky King. Uh, the crowd was into it in this episode, big time. Yeah, like, they were behind they were for the jobbers, though. Well, they were really behind Rocky King and, and Bill Tab, which I really feel kind of bad for those guys because they didn't get anything. And they're oh. big, like, muscular, good-looking athletes. You know what yeah. I mean? So, like, it, <laughs> I know that the, they're the world champions, but could have given them a little something. A little offense would have been nice. You know, just, just a little bit to, you know, but... Instead, we got uh, rude and r- raging and rude, the awesome twosome, whatever you want to call them, uh, playing with them, and uh, then in the end, the rude awakening, and they win. Then Paul Jones, Rick Rude, and Raging Bull deliver a promo. They were getting great heat during this promo. They were booing. What was it when Rick Rude was saying was talking, and they were like, "We don't want to hear you" or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't remember entirely, but I, remember, I know what you're talking about. But uh, um, Rude has definitely developed as a promo and has become the best promo of the three of them. Oh, definitely. I was a little... This match seemed more like a singles um, profile for Rude, though. Mm-hmm. Did you get that feeling? A little bit. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to explain it, but it reminded me of like the old... Um, remember when Steiner... 
Scott Steiner was getting ready to turn on Rick. Mm-hmm. He was like doing his own moves, wasn't going for tags, doing his own showboating yeah. and stuff like that. That's what I kind of got from Rude here. Like he was more about not getting himself over because I, I don't think that was you know him personally doing it. I think that his character was trying to become more of a character here. Yeah. Like he he would go for the nonchalant pins. He would go for the you know like um, I, I wrote down he was just overly cocky this match and it wasn't something I've noticed in the past from him. Mm-hmm. And there was just something like he had a new like swagger to him in this match. Oh, yeah. And I think that was I don't know if he turn goes into the singles competition soon, but I feel like this was like the start where he is starting to make the transition into a singles competitor, even well, though he's, he's a tag champ. I mean, he's starting to become Rick Rude, like the Rick yeah, Rude that, we that's know. True. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, because he's still working. He's still really super green. I mean, he was super green when he came from Mid South when he was yeah. in Mid South. And he came from where was it? I think he was in AWA because he was up there in the north. You know, he's from like Michigan or Wisconsin or something. Uh, so, you know, when he came down to Mid South, he was super green, and then came over to Mid Atlantic, still you know green. So he's working on his character, but so he's getting. I think he's getting better at it. I think that Bull is kind of just you know, I feel like raging like Bull's just kind of along for the ride here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. like he's oh, he's into it, and I'm sure he loves getting the money of being the world tag team champion and whatnot. But um, they got to know they're not going to be tag champs for long with the Rock and Roll Express sitting right there. You yeah, know what I mean? The fact that they're you know t- um, they're uh, basically challenging the war- uh, LOD yeah. in the next segment. Yeah. Both of those. Um, I don't. I don't know. I don't know my history too well as to what happens next, but I can't imagine one of those challengers had. You know, none of those challengers taking the belts off them. Yeah. One of them has to. Well, I think the LOD might be going back to somewhere else for a little while. If I if I remember correctly, they disappeared from Mid-Atlantic for a little okay. bit and then came back. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. Anyway, they uh, we go to break, come back, and Barry Wyndham's there to deliver a promo, but instead throws to a VTR. Which was good for him. Yeah, I did not. He did not seem comfortable making that promo. No, and he was saying like he's just trying to help, and then all of a sudden, well, I don't know if Rick's trying to draw me in. Well, why would he do that if you're just trying to help? Yeah. It, it's it, there's you you, you missed a transition there. Mm. And I don't know what it is. I don't know where you were going with it, but thank, thankfully, they cut to a, um, the VTR, and then we have a full match, which was beautiful. Yeah, I didn't realize how long this was going to be until we were over like halfway through it. So I didn't yeah. write down a lot of the stuff that happened in the match because I just uh, I just thought it was going to be like a little like thirty second to Dust a minute up. VTR of him beating the crap out of Ric Flair. I yeah. think it was going to be like you know I've seen I I could do that to you Ric Flair I could do that to you anytime so on and so forth. Um, well, I think this was a good I, I think the whole the VTR was a good showcase of uh, Wyndham. Yeah, like he had Flair's number for the majority of the match. Mm-hmm. It was only when Flair went to the outside and you know used some underhanded tactics to get control again. And I think a few then. times he did a he did a couple of low a low blows in the ring, but even then it was like for maybe five to ten seconds of offense before Barry just took went back and took control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the one thing I really liked though was that you could see some of the desperation there from like but from Flair. Yeah, but also it was like heel desperation it made sense 
it was like one at one point flares in the corner getting punched so what does he do he reaches out and just starts choking barry yeah and it's like that makes it a real it gives it that real fight feel you know where nothing you know everything goes yeah um or anything goes i should say and you know it's it made me think like geez you have so many you, know, you have heels in the wwe and AEW who you know they cheat when the ref's not looking but i mean here's one of the best heels in the business period and he is doing it right in front of the ref because it's a desperate move because he's in I mean, panic he's, mode he's in panic mode it's it's beautiful character work mm-hmm. no one does that if i was in the ring and i had a ch- and i was getting pummeled by the face i would be like okay I'm going to thumb the eye. I'm going to choke. I'm going to do something to get him off me because mm-hmm. he is just going to town on me. I need to create separation. And, yeah, and that was beautiful. I uh-huh. mean, it didn't work out well because as soon as he did that, Barry did the same thing. Yeah. But well, it also, made, it, made the drama, it made for good drama on that match. Yeah. The, the, the people around the ring helped in this match, too. The, the fact that you had Tully and Oli, or Tully and JJ and Arn on one side with yeah. uh you know dusty and the and the rock and roll and the rock and roll on the other side because you could see the desperation in the horsemen as well in their faces yeah. you know yeah. what i mean like because everybody's worried because yeah, they couldn't rare, get there to help rare. yeah rick like rick sent barry out at one point and then before arn and tony couldn't do anything here comes dusty and the, and the express yeah and they're like, like nope just let him back in and he and flair has is resigned to pull him back in and then it, when it Flair would go beautiful. out to the ring, when he would roll to the outside, and he did it on the babyface side, they would put him right back in. Yeah. So I mean, I, I, it's funny. I feel like this entire show, not just this match, was like um, completely in sync with my brain because at one point I'm like, this, this is like a lumberjack, and then Tony Schiavone says, "This is like a lumberjack match." Oh, I'm yeah. like, wow, that we was. Actually, wrote that down. This has turned into a lumberjack match. Yeah. Which was and then... sorry, which was one of the things you could hear because the crowd in Columbia, South Carolina that night was so freaking loud. You had to struggle to hear David yeah. and Tony talking. <laughs> it was loud. Oh, yeah. the, the crowd was insane. And, you know, another thing, just, just as a tangent part, uh, I was like, at one point I'm like, how did we get to this match? And then Tony is like, you know, we, I don't know how we got here or something like that, but this is like an oral contract of a match kind of thing. I'm like, okay, you just answered the question I literally just had. Yep. I mean, they, we were in sync tonight, and it was just good because there was a lot of storytelling here, and it was good storytelling. Mm-hmm. And even when, like, when Flair would, um, you know, when there would be, um, you know, underhanded tactics, like when Wyndham had the figure four, and I think it was JJ, JJ raked the eyes, eyes, yeah. The ref was distracted. Mm-hmm. When, um, you know, uh, there was Flair a headbutted oh, him, headbutted him with a low blow, and the referee yeah. didn't see; he could only see Barry's back, so he assumed that it was to the stomach. Yeah, and then there was when, when JJ's been arguing with um the the ref over like right oh did you do something to his eyes? Flair is you know sending Rindam onto the top rope, you know, mm-hmm. and it was just it was just beautifully orchestrated. I mean, you don't see that these days. The ref looks, you know, I, I know we've talked about this many times, but you always see the ref just like having to distract himself mm-hmm. basically, or just act like he didn't see it. There's really good um, logic. Spend five minutes trying to get a chair out of the ring so that the yeah. babe, so that the heels can do something extremely convoluted when all they really needed to do was just rake an eye or uh, make a tag that wasn't a tag. You know, switch out. That's another yeah. thing that I hate that nobody does anymore is do the the untagged switch out behind the referee's back when one of the baby faces is trying to storm in the ring. 
You know what that I mean? Like, beautiful. I mean, this makes it little makes, things. It, it draws the audience in because it makes the audience part of the show in a way that they're designed to be, not like where the audiences are going into the show, um, you know, going to business from themselves with the whole what chance and stuff like that. Yeah. This is literally like the crowd is getting annoyed because, hey, ref, they're not tagging. You're getting mad at, you know, um, well, who, who can we use here? You're getting like, uh, Imperium is not tagging, but the street profits are, and you're you're preventing you're you're not catching any of this. Pretty deadly is good at that. That's one of yeah. the things that I love about them is they're really good at breaking the small rules that kind of just tick you off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas so, yeah. I'm, I'm going to say something that's very unpopular. Yeah. Go ahead. They're better than FTR. Who? Pretty deadly. Yeah. 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 They're the best tag team in in wrestling right they, now. F FTR. FDR thinks they're the best tag team because they've studied tapes or whatever it is. They're, they're, they pay tribute to the, the legends before them. No, they do. Yeah, they may understand you got to hold the tag rope and stuff like that. But look at Pretty Deadly. They have an old school. They, they have a real old school mentality to them where they're, it's, and I don't know how else to explain it, but they, they are what FTR wants to be. Is they, the best way to put it. They work as one unit in the ring. Yes. Yeah, they there do. you go. Every time two of them are in the ring, they do some sort of double team. Every time they yeah. tag, there's a double team. They work like the Midnight Express work. Yeah, 100%. Really, like, that's that's what it is. because And they're always trying to get away with something behind the referee's back. Or they're, they're the masters of drawing in a baby face to create a distraction. Or one of them will create will distract one of the baby faces so the other one can get a break or can get an advantage. Uh they're really good at the blind tag where somebody hits the ropes and you tag. Uh, but the, the, um, the baby face doesn't see it. So the baby face thinks the illegal man is still the legal man. And they come in like it's it, little things like that make a team instantly recognizable as a heel and instantly seen as a threat. Yeah. I mean, that's the perfect way to explain it. They are, if they're not the top tag team out there, I want someone to show me who is. Mm. Because I can look at the Bucks, who I wouldn't even put in the top 20. I can look at, but I know, like, you know, all the IWC would put as the top one. I can look at FTR, and I'm sorry, no. Um, you know, they're, they just, there's something that Pretty Deadly has. And I didn't realize it until I started focusing on them the last, like, few weeks. Because, mm. I mean, you had all, you've, you've always talked about them, and I've just never paid attention to them because I've stopped um i've only been fast forwarding through nxt yeah but i so i haven't really seen them too much but when i saw them the last few weeks i'm just like yes this is a tag team ftr probably was like the tag team when we were desperate to find a good tag team out there mm -hmm. but now but you this is like the first real true true real tag team since maybe the night from, from the 90s and 80s i'd say this well no because I'd, I'd say the usos are a genuine tag team well it was like they're good. a team they're good they're you good know what modern I mean. tag team. yeah 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 they're good modern tag team but, but nobody has, has yes. pretty deadly has a lot of good throwback to them you know mm -hmm. they, they have a lot like usos are really i don't want to say they're reinventing everything but their usos ha are, are more of a product of today's era of wrestling yes. yeah okay yeah i see what you're saying i see what you're getting at yes yeah whereas pretty deadly is kind of like 
a throwback. You could pr- you could throw Pretty Deadly into Smoky Mountain Wrestling, and they'd fit right in right away. Exactly. Of course, yeah. Jim Cornette would probably want to manage them because they'd be the new Heavenly Bodies. But you, you, you but you see what I'm saying? Because that's yeah, yeah, 100%. that's how they work. They work that old school Southern style. And uh, if you really want to see, folks, believe me, if you really want to see a great Pretty Deadly match, I think it was January. 2020 maybe it was somewhere around the pandemic when they won the nxt uk tag titles for the first time and they faced gallus for those titles it is freaking amazing like there's like a double distraction with both belts that ends up getting them the win and it's just it's beautiful i was like i was like holy shit nobody fucking wrestles like this anymore and they actually it for the most part, they make legal tags. They tag hand to hand while holding the top, while holding the tag rope over the top rope, both feet on the apron. So when they don't do that, you notice it. You know what I mean? You've got to do something mm-hmm. the right way enough so that when you don't do it the right way, people are like, wait, that's not right. That's not the way that's supposed to be done. But, you know, that's again. Wrestling psych. We could go into a whole episode about the lack of wrestling psychology in modern wrestling, and it would probably be about six we hours try long. That one time. Um, okay, we'll, we'll truncate it, but we should try it sometime. But uh, I'd be all for it. Getting back to the flare thing, yes, uh, flare. We'd get the flare top rope spot, which was good because Barry's actually big enough to literally pick flare up off of the top rope. Yeah, um, and press slam permanently. Yes, and uh, let's see, Barry's that drop kick off the top rope that he does is so amazing looking because of his size. That gets a two count. He gets mm-hmm. the flying clothesline, and then as soon as he goes for the pin with the flying clothesline, the horse, horsemen uh, jump in the ring and break up the match. And yeah, that's beautiful because you just you basically just had Ric Flair beat, and his boys had to save him. So that gets instant freaking heat on them for breaking up the match and keeping the people from their, the people's, you know, the baby face from overcoming the dastardly dirty heel, but it gets the baby face a ton of credit because it's like, Oh, he could have, he had him. He could have beat him next time. He's going to beat him for sure. So that keeps yeah. the people coming back next week and the week after that and the week after that, because ticket sales were actually important then. Um, but after the DQ, chaos ensues as it should. The baby faces clear the ring. The heels bail, but the heels are talking trash on their way back to the locker room. It was just, this was perfect. I mean, it was, you know, this is a reason this... why Dusty's a great booker. Because <laughs> here, Very Barry Wyndham. Was this? Go ahead. Hmm? No, go ahead. No, Barry Wyndham's only been in the in WCW for what, like, four months maybe three months yeah and he's already in a title feud with flair now granted he's probably he's not going to win but his his he has his stock has skyrocketed within the company and the fans and the fans like when they're cheering that they want barry during a horseman match that's something because they weren't doing that two months ago (laughs) you know what i mean exactly so uh, let's see. Then we go to a break. But was yes, that a match for the world title or anything, or was it just a grudge match? I'm, you know, I'm. See, I'm not sure because it, it was never really announced. And the only reason I bring that up is because you know how they like. 
I don't know if AEW does this. I know WWE is guilty of this a lot. They'll book the number one contenders match by having you beat the number one contender. Or yeah. sorry, beat the champion. Yes, I hate you know, that. I hate, I hate that. But you see what they did here? They, they didn't have Wyndham go over Flair. Yeah. But all of a sudden, he's in line for a world title because he, he literally kicked the crap out of him. Not only to the point kick... where you had the four horsemen having to save him, but you didn't have Flair job. You mm-hmm. didn't have you didn't have Barry go over. You just had a good tease so that the crowd is like, yes, we want Barry to now go after Flair and be the number one contender. It wasn't it, it wasn't one of those situations where it's um, you know, um, you know, a, a number one contender match against Seth Rollins and Seth Rollins gets pinned. So, and then all of a sudden um Drew McIntyre is facing him for the world title, you know? It's not that, that doesn't make any sense. You pin the pin champion should never the, the champion should never be pinned unless he's losing the championship. Regardless of your exclamation title, United States champion, world champion, whatever belt you have, tag mm-hmm. title, you should not be losing. Yep. And this is how you do it. Mm-hmm. This match right here shows how you can put this all together. You have a grudge match set up so that um, a no clean finish. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it's like, wow, I want to see, um, you know, whoever faced the champ now. Mm-hmm. Because they came close to taking it. If it wasn't for his associates or for someone or from a, an underhanded tactic where he if got it, disqualified. If it wasn't for that damn Kaiser, they would have, you know, X would have beat freaking uh, Gunther. Like, yeah. oh, that's so, he, he got so close. He got so close. He almost pinned him, but he just, you know, the distraction and Gunther hit him with the big boot and just, it just didn't happen. And, but, but it could have, and it should, you know, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, I completely agree. That's, that's I mean, like and, booking 101. Yeah, like, and that's why you establish finishing moves. I mean, if you didn't know Barry's finishing move was, a, was that diving lariat it wouldn't be a big deal but you know when he hits when that, that move has been protected you have that you see him hit it that's a three count yep. one two oh here's arn anderson but no mm-hmm. instead you've devalued all the finishers in wwe where you know except for the rko where if um you know matt riddle hits the bro Derek, which is a stupid name for, for a finishing move but if he hits it you know it's it may not get a three count because we can get everything you have john cena losing you know needing to hit three aas mm-hmm. just to win a match i but still think it should be called the fu i'm sorry it's good it was, that was that was the whole purpose of that move yeah um well the whole purpose was it was supposed to be a parody of brock's fi yep but you know i mean they could they, there's so much they can do to fix it and I think Triple H is capable of doing that. I think anybody in AEW would be capable of doing that if they're willing to understand in-ring psychology. I, I think it's, and I was thinking about this watching NXT last night. Mm-hmm. We're NXT is doing an okay job of doing this. It's still, you know, uh, it's still Shawn Michaels booking and his bookings all over the place to me. But we'll get to that <laughs> yeah. in a minute. But uh, you know, it, but. They're trying to retrain the American audience to appreciate a more realistic style. Yes, I get. You that. see what I'm saying? Yep. But you've got yes. to retrain people that because you can't just change it overnight. No, because then they're going to backlash against it. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, it's oh, this doesn't make any sense. It's too boring. You know. But if you slowly add and slowly if you slowly dial the the stupid cartoonishness back which i know 
saying that in NXT is hard because they got a guy who talks like he's a 1930s gangster. You know what I mean? There's a lot of cartoonishness yeah. in NXT. But it's developmental, and I have to keep reminding myself of that. Like, th- there's a reason well, these people are in NXT characters. and not on the main roster. Yes. But you, if, you, card- yeah. if you dial it back and you keep dialing it back, but people, you keep the stuff that they like, like, you know, good stories and, you know, finishes that make sense but kind of fuck one guy or the other. Like, you know what I mean? You can get yeah, the audience spot. trained to appreciate something closer to what professional wrestling is supposed to look like. Yeah. I think that's what they're doing. I think that's what triple H is trying to do. I just think that, you know, it's, it's going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight. No. Uh, And also, again, you got to worry about phasing out wrestlers who are not doing that style. mm -hmm. Like, um, I don't, I'm not going to, I don't really have to sit down and really look at all the wrestlers today. I mean, I can tell you AEW roster. That's someone who I would need needs to be phased out in order for us to accept the new way of wrestling. Yeah. But, uh, and, and WWE, I'm, you know, I feel like they, they do a decent job of keeping them toned down when they're not acting like um, they just consumed ten espresso shots and decided to go all out. I would, but, I would get rid of the, I would get rid of Montez Ford immediately. Yes. I'm sorry. I know people love Montez Ford, but I can't stand him. The guy, his his comebacks. He looks like he's he he looks like he ate something in a video game and regained his entire health bar and had never gotten any damage whatsoever the entire time he was in the ring. Wesley's the same way. I would I would get rid of him in a freaking heartbeat. He's probably my most disliked wrestler in in WWE right now is Wesley. Really, I can't stand oh, yeah, he, him. He, he was he was the guy who was press slammed by um, Von Wagner onto a table. No, Djokovic. It was Djokovic uh, or not uh, Dijak, Dijak, not Djokovic. He's no, a was, tennis player. It, it was Wagner. I thought in the ladder match. It was, a, it was one of the ladders match. He press slammed. He threw oh him, yeah, like, that's right. He threw him over the ring through a table, and then yeah. he still won. Yeah, that's right. That was ridiculous. No, I thought you were talking about the the Dijak match where Dijak beat the ever loving crap out of him for like ten minutes with oh, no God. break, and then at the end of the match he yeah. wins with that stupid flippy kick he has, and it's yeah. like really, like <laughs> this guy just like power bombed you or choke slammed him. That's what he did. He choke slammed him through the fucking announce desk. Oh and yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, because Von Wagner's the one who threw him, yeah, over the top. He had him up in the military press, threw him over the top, over, basically almost over the freaking announce desk. And he still came back to win. And he fresh won the, the match. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, once you phase out of a lot of the wrestlers who are subscribed to the old, like, spot fest, then you can really get this, you know, new style over with the fans. Because as long as, the, as, long as they're there, it's going to be hard to, to make fans transition out of it because they're going to be wanting somebody um you know anybody to wrestle like the way they're used to oh yeah well see that's one of those things that's why i like a guy like axiom or jd mcdonough or noam door to a, a certain extent tyler Bate, because they can do spots you know what i mean but they can work them into the match so that they make sense yeah does that you know what I mean? Ilya Dragunov, he's really good at that. Um, 
yeah, you're not going to, I don't think, I don't want a bunch of people going a million miles an hour. You can, you can switch to AW for that. They do that all, 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 all week, every week. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. That's their thing. What they should do the is people, take for guys the people like, who like that kind of thing. That's the kind of thing those people like. Exactly. What they should do is take guys like Bob Lashley, um, guys who can do like, uh, cause Lashley is pretty good at doing these like crazy spots at times too. Like when he speared, somebody through a cage or something like that and mm-hmm. he can do those things he'd be like you, you use him who's basically more of a who's like a hard-hitting wrestler and you start transitioning you making those matches through him and gunther and um you know everybody else who like sheamus mm-hmm. guys who can do those matches you put you, put, you spotlight them and then you'll be in good shape mm-hmm. if you, if, and, and otherwise you're forced to wait and so guys you know start retiring <laughs> which yeah. given the way they wrestle may not be that long well, yeah, that's that's another thing. It, that that type of style wears on your body. There's people like, oh, Dynamite Kid. Yeah, did you see how Dynamite Kid ended? Like how his career ended, how he ended up in a fucking wheelchair. Miserable, depressed, angry, bitter old man. <laughs> so I'm sorry, but uh, excuse me if Dynamite Kid's style is not exactly the style I think everybody in the wrestling business should be copying. Yeah. No anyway. offense, I'm, I'm going to say one, one last part of that. If you're a wrestling fan and you like that style, knowing what it does to the wrestler, you are just a selfish prick. I'm sorry. I cannot actively root for somebody who is putting their body through all that because the, he knows it's what the fans want to see. Mm-hmm. That is horrible that you that fans want that because they know. Because I mean, I mean, no one is paying for these wrestlers to have health care when they're in their when they're retired mm-hmm. you know and a lot of these wrestlers are retiring are, are retiring early or at least you know or you know or, or they're being forced to work you know in their 70s when they're when they can barely you know pull themselves out of bed they're breaking their bodies for the fans and if you're actively wanting that style knowing that that's just horrible well look at the freaking indies oh yeah you know, I mean, they're they're lighting themselves on fire for yeah. for a cheap pop for for a freaking hot dog, a handshake, and maybe fifty bucks in gas money. No, fans should not be wanting that. Fans should have some more respect for these wrestlers, and you know, be like, hey, you know, like not basically demand a high spot every match. Right. Well, I think the wrestlers should have more respect for themselves too. True, but they know they ought to get over. That that's something. Yeah, that's true. Speaking of what the fans want. The fans want Ric Flair to deliver this promo. <laughs> this was one of his best promos. This I don't was know so what good. it ranks overall, but this was beautiful. I watched this twice because I was thinking this ha- this is, has to be one of his top promos. Well, it's I mean he hits all the all the stuff. He puts Barry over like a freaking just amazing superstar. You know what I mean? Like he basically just praises the crap out of Barry Windham. Yeah. Um, the biggest things that I point uh, is he's he's he talks about, but you don't have the championship, and the championship yeah. is means being the winner all the time. Yeah. And then he talks about that he talks about everybody wants to be what I am. You want to be what I am, but I go out and I wrestle the best. And then he goes through a laundry list of Dusty, Nikita, Wahoo, McDaniel's, like everybody that he wrestles every night and i'm just like god yeah that's i mean that's the truth you know when you're the world champion you don't get you know to wrestle jobber number one or jobber number two 
You know, you've got to go out there and wrestle the best guy in the territory, usually the top baby face and put on at least a half hour. You know, with Ric Flair, people expect at least a half hour to 45 minutes, if not an hour long, you know, uh, hour long time element draw or something. Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, this was a beautiful promo. I mean, he just, he didn't, he never once made anybody feel inferior to him. Mm-hmm. He made everybody who's a challenger to his title a legitimate threat and said, basically he was saying, you want this belt, put in the work and be better than him because at night in, night out, he has to be better than all of you. Yeah, he didn't say, you're less than I am. He said, I'm better than you. And there's a difference leaving, there. Yeah, and he's leaving the door open saying, you know, basically saying, and if you become better than me, you can have this belt. But until then, I'm holding it. Yep. That was just like the perfect promo for it to spotlight how important that belt is, mm-hmm. how important he is, and how important the the, the uh, champion is to the company. Mm-hmm. Because he's not like, like you said, he's not fighting you know the, the Mulkey brothers every night. He's fighting while well, he McDaniel. He's fighting uh, Dusty Rhodes. He's fighting all of these champions like who who you know he even acknowledges they had the belt at one point they know what it's like to be a champ mm-hmm. and they want it they're coming after him and he's still gonna have to outperform them yep. and that was just it was just it was emotional it it, it really it like a, it, it hit you beautiful yeah it, it was, was the it was the best flair promo i've ever i've heard um you know in a very long time mm-hmm. if not if it's not if it's not a top five promo i would i want to see the rest Yep. Because this was just beautiful. He hit every button correctly. And then in the end, he had to mention that he's going to be in Jacksonville and it'll be at the Holiday yep. Inn. Yep. <laughs> because uh, he's Ric Flair. Auditioning for um, Space Mountain. For Rise, yeah, for Space Mountain. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was, it was beautiful. That was like the top promo. Yeah. No, it no really... One, like, no one can cut a promo like Flair. Oh, yeah. And that, this is why, you know... It, it, you know, he's always one of my like top five best talkers ever because no one else can cut that promo and make you believe no. it the way Ric Flair no. can. Number one, number two, nobody wrote that shit for him. No, no, no he no. just came off with that off the top of his head. They probably just said, "Go out there, put over Barry." You know, talk about your other competitors. Make sure you mention where we're going to be. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's probably all Dusty, because Dusty was the one doing the uh, doing running the television show. So that's probably all he said to him. You know. Yeah. You know, give give him a couple of notes. Be like, this is what I want you to talk about. And Ric Flair goes out there and knocks this fucking. This isn't even a home run. This is like damn grand slam. This is like game winning grand slam here, because it just. Oh, you're right. It gives you chills. Hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. You know, real quick, I don't want to go too tangent on this one. We're only like three like 15 minutes into the into the show um there was a time when I, when wcw was on this like um deathbed yeah i remember reading on a message board saying they should just give the mic the flare and tell him go off praise the company because if anybody can get somebody to get draw interest it would be him because when no matter what he's saying whether it's true or not you will believe it do you want people to believe that WCW is still a threat to the WWE and putting on better sh- is a better show? Tell Flair that's your objective. Send them out there, and mm-hmm. this promo confirms it for anybody who's ever doubting him. He can make you believe anything. It's true, and it's he, damn true. It, it, it's not even like 
it could be the most like if he wanted to tell me there was um you know that the entire planet of mars was made out of lava if he hits me with a promo of that of that magnitude of that um intensity i'll i'll say yep okay mars is magma that's all i got he he will make you believe anything because he's that damn good rick flair could make me believe he had a match against randy mulkey and it was one of the toughest matches of his whole career oh yeah and that is that is the biggest compliment you know <laughs> yeah because because he's freaking rick flair anyway rick He'd flair make randy mulkey one of the best a, a, a challenger to his title at that point i mean woo. he would just get it out he, he just knows how to do it oh, okay okay so moving on we get the max between the jayhawks and uh alan west and eddie somebody i don't know who the eddie guy's name was eddie roberts eddie roberts okay uh and of course the jayhawks are uh jaggers and uh dirty dutch mantel who kind of wrestle like heels that's really about it it wasn't yeah, to, you know just just study set out a running clothesline that looked very pitiful got the win yeah well they're they're there for the crockett cup you know yeah. what i mean they're they're a tag team so of course the tag teams are going to start flooding in to talk about the crockett cup pretty soon yeah, um yeah. let's see we get le- well oh here we go the hold on just a second before we get to this um yeah entertain the people for about 30 seconds I'm gonna say nothing. They can entertain themselves. All right, did you guys enjoy that wonderful entertainment? I told them they can just entertain themselves. Oh, well, that's no fun. Well, I didn't know what to do. You put me on the spot. You, you, uh, well, that shows you. I'm, ne- I'm never giving you just notes on a promo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you didn't give me any notes on a promo. You just said entertain them. Well, yeah. Dusty would have known what to do. Even you just said funky like a monkey five times in a row. And this time, this time you give me that shot, I will come up with a catchphrase. This is Peter that nauseum. Just, just, just cut a Dusty promo. Just think, what would Dusty say here? <laughs> I'll just do what pissed me off about AEW this week. Oh, God. Well, that would take too long. I'd I'd come in in the middle of it, and we'd end up talking about that for another hour. I mean, we're already almost an hour into the show. (laughs) We're barely into the show. Um, So here we go. This was was cool because I just watched this guy's biography that night. Mm -hmm. Like, literally, like, the right before I came down to watch... Yeah, right before last night, right before I came down to watch this, we just finished up his A&E biography. Yeah. The intro, Lex the Flex, Lex Luger, the total package. This was not like some grand entrance like the WWE basically just comes out there and stands there, uh, calls himself a total package, says he's here to have money, to be the best, and to be a horseman. And kind of leaves everybody like aghast. Like, what? You you want to be a horseman? <laughs> I, I I I felt like this was like a draft pick promo. Mm-hmm. Like if you were if you were just signed from the NFL and asked how you feel about this, that's pretty much what I got. Well, that's what and, Luger was essentially. Yeah, I, I like how he botched his first line. Mm-hmm. Allocades as opposed he meant accolades, but he said allocades. But uh, well, he was going to be the first sentence. Oh, I know. But I mean, it was it was an interesting one. I mean, he he had that cocky draft pick, um, like 
blue chipper athlete who is like, I'm here and I want to be the best and I want to play for the horsemen. That's basically what he said. Yeah. He doesn't want to, like, he doesn't want to go after titles. He just wants to be part of the, you know, the upper echelon, the upper echelon. Yep. Echelon, yeah. Yeah, I just pulled a luger. See, there you go. Yeah. I'm nervous too. No, um, but no, I, I mean, that, that was beautiful. I was trying to find also another word. I didn't want to say elite because that's been devalued as of late. Yeah. Well, no, like, but, but yeah, that's, that, and, and that's basically from all, from everything I've heard, that was basically Luger's personality is that's how he was, is he was cocky and arrogant and, you know, so that was, which makes a great, makes a great heel. You know what I mean? Like he instantly, you know, um, and of course then Barry comes out and faces Thund- Thunderfoot number two. And after their match, he says, I got to talk to Luger, which by the yeah. way, Barry, that flying clothesline he hit, I can't remember if they showed it in slow motion or not, but they should have, because I noticed he hit the clothes, hits the clothesline and then spins in air so that he lands yeah. on his stomach again. Like he does a full 360 before he lands oh, and yeah. then goes for the pin. Like, what a freaking athlete, man. <laughs> like, 100%. it was just, it was very, really cool because that was a great shot of him hitting it because he was coming straight at the camera. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then he jumps out of the ring. He's like, I got to go talk to Luger. He doesn't want to be a horseman. Um, I think there's some history there between Wyndham and Luger they teased or they talked about, like they went to the same school or something. Well, they were, no. they were in AWA together, or they were oh, okay. in, uh, not AWA, uh, Florida. I think they were they were in Florida together. Gotcha. Yeah, and Barry actually didn't like Luke. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, Whoops. But uh, let's see. Then we go to break. Come back. There we got a JJ and the Horseman promo. Uh, Ollie's still going on about Dusty, and they talked about Unity. And I wrote a question mark after that because I was like, Unity? Why? Something doesn't belong here. You just had somebody say they want to be a Horseman, and Oli is the only person that looks out of place in this picture. Yep. You know what I mean? And I mean, and I, I, I thought it was very interesting how they talked about it and they all, and they, you know, he talked at the end how there's always going to be four wrestlers and a manager basically. Yeah. And I'm like, hmm, they're teasing something. Yep. Um, I know Crockett and Tony said, well, they didn't mention Luger at all. I'm like, well, I think they're kind of planting the seeds. I don't know if Luger was the next addition, but it definitely looks like they're hinting at something. Especially since Ole Ole wasn't back there for any other interviews following this one. No, and he wasn't out there at the very end either. Nope. Um, so okay, so then we get uh, Baron von Ra- Baron von Corbin. I mean Baron von Raschke and Dick Murdoch versus Randy Barber, and I forget what the other guy's name was. Um, I don't know. I just wrote I wrote that they're making clean tags and that there was a brain buster. It wasn't really a super exciting match. Uh, I guess Baron and Murdoch are teaming together in the Crockett Cup. I like Baron von Raschke. I like his interviews more than his wrestling. His wrestling is what it is for his for his age. But uh, it was good to see the Baron back. <laughs> All I know is that was the slowest brain buster ever. Oh he yeah, kind of like gently placed them on, on on the ground. It was it was a nice standing suplex. Yes. But then it was like I'm just gonna gingerly put you on rest your head on the mats. Yeah. And it's like oh and, and like somehow I got the pin. I'm like oh my god. <laughs> that was that was that was bad. Um. But then uh well we come out of that but then we get the craziness that is a Legion of Doom promo. 
and we get Slug City from from Hawk. And then probably one of the best lines I've ever heard, because he says the bottom line is we like to get into fights. And the other bottom, the bottom line to the other bottom line is we want to win those fights. And I'm like, (laughs) that's not the bottom line, Hawk. (laughs) There can't be two bottom lines. It's a bottom. There's only one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love Hawk. He's awesome. (laughs) Paul Ellering comes in and saves and promotes where they're going to be. And they go to break. (laughs) <laughs> Paul Paul Ellering had an amazing line. This sounds like a dice game. This is a lot of crap. <laughs> I'm like, that's beautiful. That's just a beautiful line. Ellering was a smart motherfucker, man. He was. Well, he uh, is. I mean, he's he still is. around. That was the yeah, only thing that. Ki- that was the only thing that killed the authors of pain when they were in when they came up to the main roster was not having Ellering with them. That was so stupid. Why did they not pair him up? Because he couldn't he- do the travel. When they were in NXT, he just had to be in Florida. But he wasn't, you know, like he didn't want to travel all over the United States again, which I can't blame him, you know, at his age. I fucking wouldn't want to do that shit either. You know, from what I remember about Paul Ellering, didn't they have at one point use Rocco as a a mannequin, right? They had had that, right? So they had something stupid. Why couldn't he just been like, I I think this, I don't know how this would work in real life. I don't know how it would be fleshed out. But just put him on, like, have the authors of pain come out, and then here's Paul from his home on a live feed coaching the authors of pain through the Titantron. No. No. No? No. no. <laughs> just something. I mean, I would distract they, from the entire match. But would they I, put Rockstar Spud with the authors of pain? They should have dressed, Rock, dressed uh, Spud up like Rocco. <laughs> No, they should. have, I don't know. They they Rockstar Spud should not have been on. They should not have been the replacement manager. Especially if you're going to do the the bit where he he pees himself. That was so yeah. fucking dumb. I was just like, "Are you freaking kidding?" That was Vince. That was that was a hundred percent Vince. I mean, I am a huge fan of of Spud. Yeah, of Drake Maverick. I think he is so talented. I was so happy to see him win that TNA. Um. Uh, whatever that contest was mm-hmm. uh, and he got that contract he is incredibly talented such a he has a he has a from what i've seen he has a great mind for the business and but he's you know, a but I, I, he's a match producer now oh yeah he is i just didn't see Agent. him as a manager for the authors of pain no fit there, given what i knew about drake maverick and what i knew about rockstar spud that's the characters that he played i mean i would have thrown in robert stone first before rockstar spud but you can't go from, I mean, name a bigger downgrade than going from probably the most badass, legitimate badass manager next to Gary Hart, freaking Paul Ellering. You know what I mean? Like, f- going from that to to Drake Maverick, who, you know, oh, yeah. nice guy, great, re- good wrestler. Not, 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 not an insult to him. Not, 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 him, not intimidating like, in the least. No, he is somebody. I mean, maybe they could have put Adam Cole as a manager. <laughs> Keith Lee. Yeah, but uh, anyway, speaking of managers, we get Jim Cornette's intro to the Midnight Express and Bubba versus Tommy Angel and two other guys. I didn't get their names. Um, of course, they go to the break, come back. The Cornette Cornette isms abound. Um, I wrote in this match, Dennis Condry is so underrated. He is so good. Like this match, especially, he oh, heals yeah. the best out of anybody. Like he really gets heat. 
and really looks like just a nasty, mean person in the ring. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, Midnight, or they're talking about the Midnight and Bubba versus LOD and Dusty for the six-man tag match, tag championship and i'm like damn i want to see that like that's a that's a six-man tag match i actually want to see (laughs) you know i don't want to see the bucks and omega versus uh freaking uh uh wannabe blackpool combat club i want to see the midnight and bubba versus lod and dusty um Bobby gets sent off the top rope with the rocket launcher uh and bobby does the pin with one finger (laughs) Yeah, and they're just like posing around until Cornette gives them the go ahead. Yeah, I thought that was beautiful. That's like that's that's just the impressive heel work. Well, I mean, it's it, it's the Midnight Express. I mean, you know. The, oh yeah, of course. And then we get, um, of course, Cornette cuts a promo talking about the conspiracy against the Midnight and 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 Bubba. And then talking about you know what was it he said? You ever see a tomato throw thrown through a screen door? <laughs> that's what you're gonna look like, Dusty Rhodes. I was like, oh, ow, that's, that's a visual. Yeah, here Dusty's making funny faces, talking about Bubba going in and out of the door. <laughs> Cornette's like, we're gonna send you directly through the cage <laughs> like a wood chipper. Uh, okay, they go to break, come back. Oh, you know, I, I wrote this down. Did you catch this during that promo? Someone told Jim to shut up. Mm-mm. Watch the promo again. You can hear someone as they're leaving. Yeah. Like something says, like, someone needs to shut him up or shut up, Jim, or something, something like that. And I was like, who is that? I watched it three times. I couldn't figure out the voice and I couldn't figure out where it was coming from. But I heard them say, Jim, shut up. I don't know. I was like, part of me wants to think it was probably David Crockett because it he's, might have been. he's the one who's always saying stuff like that. But it could have been somebody from the audience that was just really loud, too. It, it wasn't like someone yelling. It was like it's just someone like whisper, like whispered it off camera. Jim, Jim, shut up. What? Listen to it again. I'm I think you, that was. I, I, I'm almost positive it had to be uh, David Crockett because he's. The, I think he's the only buddy with enough pool that could that could say that and, and get away uh, with it and get away with it. Yeah. Considering his brother owns the company. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, go to commercial. Come back. We got Ivan and Pietrov promo. Which is basically they just focus on Pietrov's face while uh, Ivan cuts the promo. Uh, yeah. He says that Nikita has a big yellow streak down his back, which I was like, "Ooh, okay." Yeah. Um, and that the Vladimir is going to injure Dusty, and that they're going to injure everybody that Nikita likes, and any opponent of Vladimir is going to get injured from here on out. And then Vladimir versus poor Zane Smith. Well, I got to say that you know. The hammer off the second rope looked a lot better this week than it did last week. Did you notice that? I agree, but it looks—it still looked pretty bad. Yeah, but and I then mean, Ivan, a little cut. bit of practice makes a big difference, apparently. Hey, if he can get enough practice so that they're they have a match in a month, and all he has to do is, you know, slam Nikita a couple of times and 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 get thrown around the ring or throw Nikita around the ring. Then you know it is what it is. I the guy's never yeah. gonna the guy's never gonna be Luthez, but <laughs> you know. But I mean, if that's your one move, perfect it. Yes, if that's the one move, especially if you're gonna do because they do an injury angle here with poor Zane Smith, 
who uh so while they're, just they're lying in the ring afterwards yeah they're doing that ivan uh delivers more of a promo uh basically saying that this is a warning yada 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 go to break good lord yeah this we are Oof, okay <clears throat> go to break come back we get uh and i think that uh they've got vlad working with dusty to get better you know what i mean I have a feeling yeah. that's why they're going after Dusty. Not only because of the injury angle, because if they injure Dusty, then that you know gives Nikita even more of a come up or a need to make them have their come up. It's but you know if the guy works with Dusty for a little while, maybe he'll learn something. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Because um, Nick Dusty's kind of like Nikita. There's only so much you can do with him, especially Nikita, because the guy's so big. Like, how believable do you think it can be that, you know, just anybody's not going to get in there and power slam Nikita Koloff? Right. Uh, let's see. JJ comes out, talks about Lex Luger, and basically says everybody wants to be a horseman, which, duh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um. We then get Lex versus George South. I'm glad they put him in there with George South, a guy who can actually work to get Lex over. Uh, JJ puts him over the whole time, and then Lex wins with the torture rack, which was nice to see. <coughs> I haven't seen the torture rack in some time. Um, Lex I comes thought his out. finisher was the pile driver, and I was expecting him to use that here. Mm -mm. No, I thought it was always the torture rack. I don't. I don't know where I thought that was from. I. I. I it might have been from that. I. I remember reading those WCW Marvel comics and. Yeah. And I know that's what they used for. I, I'm pretty sure they used that finisher there too. <laughs> and they, they actually called it the attitude adjustment too. That's the funny part. Oh, nice. But um, maybe, well, maybe that's why I thought his finisher was the pile driver. So when I saw him put him in the torture rack, I was like, oh, well, good. But uh, let's see. Yeah, as far as I remember, it's always he might have used a pile driver too. I mean, this was also back in the day when a guy didn't always win with the same move every time. You know what I mean? Like you did on TV yeah. because you had to get that move over and you had to get the audience used to expecting to see that move. But you could yeah. win with a pile driver. Well, of course, we've I've said this about Gunther several times, but that's one of the things I love about him is you never really know what he's going to win with a power bomb. He could win with. You know, a submission hold. He could win with uh, what is it? The big that big splash he does off the top rope, which yeah. is not pretty, but looks freaking devastating. Yeah. Uh, you know, so like there's he's got a lot of tools in his arsenal that can get him the win, and it's nice to see a guy win with more than just one move every match. And I think especially Agreed. in like let's say a, a local enhancement talent job match. I don't think you should have to use your finisher to win that match. You should be able to win with just a signature move. Even in exhibition matches that aren't for titles, win with a signature move every once in a while so that people think that, okay, yeah, the Miz's basement DDT might actually, you know, get the pinfall here instead of going, oh, he's not going to win it here. You see what yeah. I'm saying? Like, yep. create a little bit of doubt in people's mind as to what the finish of the match is going to be because... Yeah, that might make it a little bit more exciting. You never know. I mean, I don't. I, I don't know. I've 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 only been watching wrestling my whole life, but exactly. I could see the internet going like, "Oh, they must have botched the finish there because Miz never finishes, never wins a match with the DDT." Mm -hmm. Someone forgot to kick out. The referee must be must be um uh, must have made a mistake. Yeah. 
No, that was that was the that actual was finish. Yep. Well, yeah, the the internet wrestling community will say all kinds of crap, but what the fuck do oh, they yeah. know? Absolutely. He nothing. says is he's part of the internet wrestling community. No, no, no. Sorry, we're not part of the IWC. And okay, here's why: <laughs> because we don't have our heads up our butts. That's the that that's the easiest way to put it. Yep. If you can be swayed, if you can have an opinion that can be swayed, and, and um, you know, if you can talk throughout talk with people, you're not part of the IWC. The IWC is only an echo chamber that can't have their opinion challenged at all. Okay. Well, and as true. far as I know, talking to you, we can challenge each other's opinions. And that's why I love. That's why I love doing this podcast with you. Well, thank you. And uh, well, not only that, but I am willing to point out bad things even in WWE. True. My preferred promotion. Yeah. So, and I'm pointing out things, bad things in NWA. My favorite Crockett promotion, '86 to '89, is my favorite freaking wrestling promotion ever in the history of wrestling. And I'm still willing to say that was stupid. I don't know why they did that. Yeah. So yeah. just like I said with Vladimir Petrov last week, I was like, oh, this is bad. This guy's <laughs> not good. And he's not. But all right, let's let's at least get through this. Let's let's hold our nose and eat this shit sandwich and then get to something better. <laughs> Speaking of shit sandwich, here's Tim Horner. <laughs> oh, oh God. Well no no no, we get a Lex Lex promo before that. Oh, that's true, yes. <laughs> Um, and which is actually pretty good. Uh, Lex comes out, delivers a promo, says he's here for three things, titles, money, and to be a horseman, which yep. is fantastic. That's what you should be there for, you know, pretty much regardless. Um, Barry comes out he says, he's like, you don't want to be a horseman. You don't know what they did. And Lex is like, you know, this is business and I will be a horseman. And then walks off or Barry walks I off. Like Cause he's like, there's no use talking to you. I like the subtlety there, though, you know, because like Barry's like, oh, you don't know what they, they've they done to us and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And Luger goes, yeah, I've read everything about them. I've studied them. I've done my homework on them. So he's well aware of what the horsemen have done. Yes. And he's like, I'm going to I want to be with them. I want to be with that team. Yeah. So, I mean, that's like that. That's, that's, that's that subtle response to Barry was just like said, all you need to know about Luger. Here's a guy who doesn't care how he gets there. He is all business and he wants to associate himself with the top the best. act in wrestling, the, the best the crop, in wrestling. The best of the best, yes. And he's fully aware of what they've done to get to the top. And he has, seemingly has no hesitation to do the same if push comes to shove. He will he will gladly do what needs to be done to take himself to the top mm-hmm. because he's fully. It's not like some you know um, guy who just fell off the truck saying, "Oh, I want to be with the horsemen because they're the top act." Well, do you know what they've done? No, Luger Luger is well aware, and he's perfectly okay with that. Well, not That's only why... that, but he's continually selling himself to the horsemen with oh, yeah. his physique, with his intelligence, talking about you know he's he's a college graduate. He played professional football he's excelled at everything he's ever done you know what i mean like yeah yeah he's been on the cover of all these wrestling magazines like he's a hot commodity because you know crockett signed him to a guaranteed million dollar contract well none of that and this was the first time crockett had ever done a guaranteed money contract Mm. so he's basically making more than probably three-fourths of the roster at least coming yeah. in green rookie like a lot of people didn't like lex because of that too because he was right. making a shit ton of money now 
he eventually becomes one of the top stars of the company. So, I mean, it, it, to me, it was a good investment. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? You know, and this entire program is doing much is doing a far better. Like this entire episode is doing a great, a far better job than what a thirty second vignette would have done on the guy. Mm-hmm. It's you know, it's he's selling himself to the horsemen, like you said. But the horsemen are interested. They're playing him up too. Flair at one point, maybe I think I think in the future promo, he basically puts Luger over as a desired, you know, as a desired wrestler as one of as a person who has the potential to be great if i didn't know i mean if i watched the show for the uh and had and like most fans had no idea who luger was yeah i would be like okay this guy's a star just by the, how they're promoting him just by mm-hmm. how they're using him he, he even had a pretty good match you know he put him in with a talent that was good and he went over no mistakes you know uh beautiful moves that torture rack was impressive i don't think you've seen anybody you know on a show where you've had people win with clotheslines and ddts yeah this was new yeah this was innovative and, and you have all these people talking to him, talking about him and you're giving him tremendous tv time where he's yeah. you know basically showing you what kind of character he is if i'm watching this i'm like this guy's a star yeah i know well, I, mean, I need to know about him yeah he wins with the torture rack which is not only a submission move but a power submission move because oh, yeah. you have to be able to lift somebody up on your shoulders like that and hold him and for hold a him very there long time while you bounce up and down to create a uh, a strain in their back to the point where they're willing to submit. That is not yeah. like there, there's not a lot of people in this world that can do that. Like even no. you can get the guy up because, you know, in wrestling, you know, the other person is going to help you get them up and help stay up there. But it's still freaking hard you know what i mean so yeah it's he you know they've 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 gotten lex luger over already to the fans because i remember watching because i watched this live when it happened and i was just like oh i don't want him to be a horseman he's oh my god but he's you know he's he's so he's big and he's a star and i don't want somebody else being with with them they're the bad guys i don't like them. you know what i mean yeah, hundred percent. So, I mean, I was seven, but so I was into it. But yeah, <laughs> you know. But even now, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, he's a great fit. But I mean, well, it's, it's like you look at him and you're, and you're going your, to yourself. Well, he's a star without the horsemen. Mm-hmm. He's gonna be unstoppable with them. I would rather him. I would rather him be against the horsemen because you know, as a kid, or even as a person who loved wrestling back then, who wasn't you know who who could uh, suspend their dis- you know, suspend their belief for a while. They could uh, suspend their disbelief. You want to see? You, you don't want the bad guys having more, you know, mm-hmm. more ammunition, basically. Well, and also <laughs> you want him. You want him on the side of good. When you've and got like, Barry oh. Windham, who's just gotten over as like one of the top baby faces in the company, yeah, singles baby faces. You've got him pleading with Luger, like, no, you don't want to join the Horsemen. They're awful, like terrible. You're like. Yeah, listen to your friend Barry. Listen to your good yeah. friend Billy Zane. <laughs> you know, listen, yeah, exactly. Listen to Barry, and 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 don't don't be with those guys. Join you know, be with the 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 good guys and help Dusty and Barry out. And you would be, you know, you realize how much Dusty and Barry could you and Nikita could use a guy like Luger's size. They would be, they would totally be able to take off the Horsemen then, you know. Yeah. Like oh yeah, it's a recruiting. It's it's all about recruiting, mm-hmm. and this would have been, that that was a, it's a great storyline. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, then we get a commercial comeback. We get your favorite guy, Tim Horner, versus <laughs> Thunderfoot number one. Uh, <laughs> all I'm going to say about this is the crowd got behind Tim because they wanted him to break Thunderfoot's arm. Yeah. And Tim used, and I was really pissed off when I saw this, when he used Brad's second second turnbuckle crossbody. Yeah. Where he jumped up on the turnbuckle and hit that crossbody because I was like, Brad does that move. Brad, that's Brad's move. You can't use that. <laughs> but uh, other than that, you know, it was a Tim Horner match. It was, it was yeah. you know, it was what it was. He won with his little roll-up bridge thing, which is good. That's cool. Uh, moving on. Yeah. Jimmy Valiant came out, and he was basically Jimmy Valiant. <laughs> Talking about the boogeyman is ready. Uh, hugged Tony Schiavone <laughs> at the end of it. Tony Schiavone was like, go to the ring. Go to the <laughs> ring. Oh, he's crazy. I love him. <laughs> I love Jimmy Valiant. He's one yeah. of those guys. I really like, I need to find a show or a, a show he's going to be at. So I can get, shake his hand and get an autograph. He was he's... probably the first real, like off the wall character I've seen in wrestling. I can see that. Like he was just so, I don't want to say wacky. Cause it, well, it, it wasn't like a wackiness to him. It was just, um, wasn't eccentric. I don't know how to describe it, but he was the first character that wasn't like super serious or um, all business or looking to get wins. He, he was just, I'm not saying he wanted just to have fun, but that's the way it came off. Yeah. Well, and he could be serious. I mean, we, oh, yeah, we saw be. him be serious, but he could definitely like, he was, he, he was all about having a good time because he knew the fans wanted somebody who was, I don't know a little how different. to put it. A little, a little crazy, you know, yeah. crazy. Little, that's a good word for, him. you know, I mean, he's a little he's crazy, crazy, but he's like that. Like, um, I don't know. Like when I was in my twenties, you know, I, I went and I hung out down at the, uh, the river a lot there in Columbia, South Carolina, there the river by the zoo. And there was, you know, there were all kinds of people called, we, you know, we called each other river rats or they called people river rats because they'd always be down there on the weekends drinking and playing guitar and just kind of goofing off. And there was a guy down there named Squirrel and Squirrel was, I don't know how to put it. He was a personality. Does that make sense? Yes. That's what Jimmy Valiant is. He is a personality. He is a character. um, Description. (laughs) You know what I mean? Kind of like what freaking, um. Cameron Grimes used to be before they made him cut his beard and, and try to repackage him as just another guy. He was a character, you know, he was, he was a little wacky. He was a little out there, but you liked him. You know what I mean? You knew somebody like him that was just, you know, just a little off, but not off in a bad or malicious way, just off. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what Jimmy Valiant is, and I think that's why he connected with so many people. I think especially that's why he connected with people in the South. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Because that's who he was. Well, that's who he was after he was one of the most dastardly hated heels ever on the face of the planet. <laughs> Gorgeous Jimmy Valiant. Yeah. You know, because he was, he was part of the, the Valiant Brothers, wasn't it? In WWE, WWF, WWW, I think so. WF, yeah, yeah, so, one of those W's. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he so he was an absolutely hated heel. Then he uh, came through Memphis. I think then he just changed to the Boogeyman, the Boogie Woogie Man, mm-hmm. 
and like you know just was like i'm gonna have fun i think he probably and Cornette said this he realized that the people like the person cared about the personality more than they cared about the work so he didn't have to work that hard in the ring if he was enough of a personality and i think as his body started to break down on him he just he yes. was like well screw it i'm just going to ramp up the personality and then you don't really you know i don't have to have great matches if people like me enough they'll want to see me win no matter how bad you know not bad but you know what i mean how basic it is yeah so yeah i like jimmy Valiant. speaking of jimmy jimmy garvin comes out he's got a match with uh bill mulkey wrestles in his entrance gear again uh does i love it he does the pull-ups when he when he goes for the pin he's like uh-uh uh-uh i'm not going to pin him yet <laughs> yeah no, that's beautiful uh we get a mulkey floor bump actually we get two <coughs> mulkey floor bumps in this one uh, he does the he pulls him up again and then hits him with the brain buster. But I liked it when he threw Mulkey to the floor and he's like, "Tell him what a bum he is, precious." <laughs> and that was a good that was a good uh, segment, and I like his brain buster was far better than um mm-hmm. whatever that other guy's name was. I can't remember the one that wasn't Baron Captain Redneck Dick Murdoch. Oh yes, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know what was up with Dick. his his brain buster is usually better. It is a little slow. But it's usually not quite that gentle. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what happened there, but uh, whatever happened happened. I guess go um, go to a break. Come back. We get your man Brad Armstrong versus Vernon Deaton. Uh, I really liked this match uh, for a Brad Armstrong match. Uh, I think Deaton did a great job working the holds with Brad to make him look. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, because when he was in the armbar, he wouldn't just sit in the armbar. I feel like the last guy that Brad had a match with, it was like he was just sitting in moves waiting for Brad to do something. Deaton was, you know, yes. trying to get out of it, trying to fight back so that, you know, Brad could put him down again. You know, um, at one point, Brad got Vernon in a uh, a bit of a sugar lock there where he had his, his arm behind the head and both uh, shoulder, both mm-hmm. arms, you know, pinned behind his um behind his arm anyway um and then yeah. of course he wins with the russian leg sweep and that beautiful float over um who was it that did a russian leg sweep and a float over just it was it last night it was yeah uh, it was uh roxanne perez no roxanne perez yeah yeah let's say tiffany stratton but that was the other one yeah roxanne perez did that uh the the trapped arm russian leg sweep with the float over and i was like Look at you! Like that looks that looks that's very good. Brad Brad would be proud. Yeah, uh, but it no, was not it was, bad. It was it was a good TV match. It was a, it yeah. was a nice TV match for Brad Armstrong. A lot better than his last ma- last two matches have been. So mm-hmm. there we go. Good for Brad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> good for Brad. Well, I mean, well, I, you know, you you heard that thing. At, uh, Cornette was talking about uh, when somebody asked if Brad should have been one of the Horsemen. <laughs> during the 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 second wannabe iteration of the horseman which i still i'm kind of with cornette there i don't feel like that's really the horseman when you've only got arn and flair and no tully and no jj is it really the horseman you i know agree. what i mean yeah i mean once I, I think especially since they never got the traction they the original groups got, I feel like it was just, you know, a cash grab 
Yeah. For whatever company they were in, which was always WCW. They were just trying to live off the legacy. Yeah. Well, WCW it's is like trying to when get they viewers. Rebooted the, yeah. It's like when they tried to reboot the NWO like six or seven times, it was not the NWO anymore. It was, yeah, you used the name. Yeah. You had the, um, you had maybe a few of the core members in it or, but at that point it was just like, what are we doing? Yep. But, uh, so there you go. But I agreed with I, I I agreed with Jim. Brad would not have been a good fit. No. Maybe in maybe one of the newer horsemen with like taking the place of Malenko or the murderer, you know, yeah. or even Mongo. Yep. But I mean, Brad could Brad have dem- could could Brad have benefited from a manager? Yes. Could Brad have been a good heel? I think he could have. Yeah. But he didn't fit. It was like it was like when Sting was a horseman. He didn't exactly. fit the lifestyle they were trying to put out there. The limousine ride, and you know, a guy in a face paint coming out in a you know in a limo that doesn't that, that's not horseman. Yeah. Brad just didn't have the horse. Brad was too wholesome looking to be a horseman. He didn't have. He yeah. was, you know, like how would I put it? Like he was the he was like Dusty Rhodes in a, in a way. Like you know, you look at him, he's salt of the earth, um, guy who had to work for everything. Mm-hmm. No, no, nothing he nothing he got was ever a handout. Especially with and, who his dad was. Yeah, you I mean know. he, it just didn't fit the persona. Yeah, this is this has been one of the times where you, you would have to reboot his character and I give think, him a hope a, a brand new character. I think Brad he, Armstrong not a. In, in I that, think that he could have done it. Babyface, no. I think he could have done it. I think he could have been a heel, especially in the second iteration of the Horseman. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, Second iteration. If you, if you, if you, you know, you, 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 you take off the 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 uh, the baseball jacket, track jacket, or whatever. You put him in a suit. You get the uh, you get his glasses because I know he wore thick glasses. You get those with a a a dark tint and a mirror finish on them, so that you can't. So he looks like he's you know, you know what I mean. You make him look the part. Yeah. Because you know, I'm sure Brad partied, and I'm sure he would like to go to the gym. I'm sure he probably would have hung out with the guys in the Horsemen. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I think that uh, you're basically like, yeah, I'm agreeing with you that uh, he would have to have a whole image re. Yeah, you'd have to completely redo his image. Yeah, but I mean, he he would have fit. He, I mean, if, if Dean Malenko can be a Horseman, and I'm not taking a shot at Malenko. I think he's one of he's a top wrestler. He's one of my favorites. But if he can be if he can be a horseman, then Brad could definitely have been one. But would he have been a horseman from this era? No. Not at all. He needed a complete character change. Yeah. He'd have to he'd have to do an injury angle, keep him off TV for like six, seven months, bring him back, cut his hair, you know, have him grow an attitude he'd also have and, to have a confrontation with his dad because his dad was still in the wrestling business at this yeah point. true and you know true. like it wouldn't have been you couldn't have just said oh well brad armstrong's a heel now what what yeah brad armstrong the son of like one of the most beloved baby faces in the history of southern wrestling is is a freaking what is a heel is a horseman <laughs> yeah no. right like that's there was, that ain't gonna a lot fly. of stuff you have to do in order to make it work and do i would have wanted it to work for him yes because i think he deserved far more than what he got but there's just no way to do it Mm-mm. not that i could have not 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 a way i could have come up with it. and if jim Cornette can't come up with a way then yeah. it probably is no way to do it with that group maybe put him in like yeah he, he, um, um, 
a manager? Yes, he definitely needed a manager. He needed a mouthpiece. The problem but is, is when you're a baby face, you should have you a don't manager get one. because no. there's no reason. The only reason you should have somebody out there in your corner as a baby face is to even the odds up against somebody who already has a manager. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, you know, unless the, the thing that I think <clears throat> that really hurt Brad and this really it kind of upsets me is that Brad never got that rub from Dusty of being one of Dusty's guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nikita, yeah, the Rock and Roll Express, Barry, Magnum, like they all get this like rub from being one of Dusty Rhodes' guys. They're one of his buddies, one of his, you know, part of his his team, America's team, superpowers, whatever. Brad doesn't get that. And I think that that, it kind of upsets me a little bit because Brad is a very, very good worker and probably overall, even a better worker than Nikita, but he just doesn't, you know, he never, he never got used properly. I think that's the other thing that Jim said that he never got used. Well, he did. I mean, any idea why Dusty didn't give him, didn't work with him? All I could think is Dusty had some sort of grudge against uh, Bob Armstrong. Really? Uh, that's the only thing I can think because I Dusty mean, was the type of guy to do that. The only thing I can think of, and I don't know the history as much as you do, would be his size. I mean, you look at Nikita, you look at um, Magnum. Yeah, Magnum. but look at the rock and roll. Yeah, but they were a tag team. That's yeah. different. They had a different. That, they were a different kind of act. For singles competitor, Brad didn't have the height or the physique. That's the only thing I can come up with, assuming all things are equal. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, yeah, I, I just can't, I can't figure it out. I mean, that he had the talent, and I will, you know, I, I always revise my top wrestlers, but he's definitely in my top five. I don't yeah. know how to fit him in there sometimes, but I will always put him in there. Oh, yeah. Depends on how I feel. He's he's he is just. No, I can't praise him enough. I know. I know. I know. I be in the WWE Hall of Fame somehow. If we can put it, if his brother can be in there, he needs to be in there. I don't care what you put him in as. Oh yeah, no shit. If Road Dogs in the Hall of Fame, then I think the whole Anderson family should just be in the Hall of Fame, all of them. You know what I mean? I agree with that. You know, because I mean, they're one of the great wrestling families. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're right up there with the Rhodes. I mean, Bullet Bob Armstrong was a bigger attraction overall than Dusty Rhodes was in his time. Yeah. I mean, if that's how we got to get him in, put him in with Bob, Steve, Brad, um, whoever, and, and, and throw in Jesse, throw in the Road Dog again if you want. Yeah, sure. Because you need someone to speak at the, the uh, event, and you can have him do it. But oh, I would rather have Scott do it because Scott. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, if you're gonna, yeah. have, if if there's, if there needs to be a way to get, you know, Triple H to agree to it, have him do one of his boys a favor. I guess. That's true. That's true. I'm sure. I'm sure Scott and uh, and um, uh, Brian. Would uh, would would get behind that? Yeah, I mean, Brad needs to somehow be. He needs his um, as as kids say today, he needs his flowers. Yeah, you need he to needs, give the man his flowers. Yeah, he, he's just oh, it, it pains me every time I see him. Every time we ever since we've been doing this, every time I see him on uh, W on, on World Championship Wrestling, it just like it irritates me just a little bit because like you couldn't ask for a better performer. Mm-hmm. He was you know he was just so professional in the ring. And that was it. And especially when you think about what year it was, he had the rookie of the year. He had all these accolades and it just went to just enhancement talent. Mm-hmm. I know smooth as silk. Yep. 
smooth as silk he was. Um, speaking of somebody whose voice is not smooth as silk, Nikita Koloff comes out with Dusty Rhodes and delivers a promo. Nikita, Nikita, you got all. He sounds like he's he said, you know, I know he's Russian, but it sounds like he's trying to speak Klingon sometimes. <laughs> oh, Magnum TA, oh, Uncle Ivan. Um, Nikita and Dusty come out for a promo. Nikita's like, I'm right here. I've been right here. Like, why are you calling me a coward? I haven't gone anywhere. Um, and then I forget who it was. Was it Dusty that says the idea of Lex and the horseman turns his stomach? Which I was like, oh, oh, we're getting Dusty's in it now. Dusty's yeah. trying to keep Lex from being a horseman. So, you know, go to the break, come back. We get another Flair promo. This is the one you were talking about where he really puts Lex Luger over. Like, yeah. Huge. Uh, talks about how you got all the guys that say that they're the best, but they don't have any belts. That the, the horsemen have belts and they don't have belts. And then he runs down the the show locations that they're going to, in a prelude to the dust the Tully and Randy Mulkey TV title match. Yep, this is you know, what I do think when one... you get to choose your opponents. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say at one point I think even Flair mentions, and I wrote it down. I don't have a quote that if James you know, JJ gives you the go ahead, you're going to be a horseman. We'll yeah. see what the future holds. And I'm like, that's some big praise if you really look at what he said. He's not going to fight. You know, he, he's, he's trusting his manager to determine who is a good member for the horseman. Yep. And if you're, if you're it, welcome aboard. Yep. He's basically giving Luger his stamp of approval, mm-hmm. saying all it takes is just one call, basically, from JJ, and you're in, and yep. we're going to, you know, we're going to run with you. Yep. That's huge. Yeah. That huge. does so much to get him over. And, uh, I mean, when I heard that, I'm like, whoa, he is definitely, like, this guy is, you know, if you didn't know anything about Luger, like, I definitely did not at the time, or yeah. I would not have known at the time, you would be thinking, like, okay, he is a sought-after blue-chip athlete. Everybody wants him. Whoever gets him is going to have the advantage going forward in this feud. Mm-hmm. And it's almost they're... like getting Luger becomes the advantage in like a war games match. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, yeah, it's like, recru- both, which... both sides are trying to recruit him. It's just that he's already determined what side he wants to be on. Yeah. And it's just a matter of, you know, determining how unified the horsemen are because after the, um, well, we'll, we'll cover the Blanchard match first. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Tully in, uh, the Tully versus Randy Mulkey for the TV title. <clears throat> I like this match. Tully was wrestling mad. Beating up the poor Malky, which, you know, eh, it's going to happen. They said, um, Tony Schiavone says, the horsemen are all together. They're all out here. And I was like, well, there's no Oli. Oli's yes, not exactly. there. Oli's not there. Um, He's been missing for quite some time. He's been missing the whole show. Um, yeah. Let's see. Then we get uh, the, we get a great Malky floor bump, uh, the slingshot suplex, and the win. And yep. – uh, that was it for that match. But yeah, the big thing was that, cause this whole match, it, you know, sometimes you gotta go back and talk this whole match. Tully was in the ring, but you had Arn and JJ and flair on the sides outside the ring, like kind of egging Tully on like a bunch of bullies on the playground. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. like telling him how to beat up, uh, 
Randy Malky to make it even more embarrassing for him, so on and so forth, which, mm-hmm. you know, which is great. Like, that's that's what the horsemen are. They're a bunch of bullies. Now, granted, they're also the top wrestlers in the company. You know what I mean? But they're a bunch of bullies. That's what makes them bad guys yeah. because they gang up on people um, and they like to pick on people that are weaker than them. Uh, mm-hmm. So it kind of got that it comes all around. And again, that the fact that Ollie's not there is telling that is done on purpose. Yes. You know what I mean? Like there's, there, there's a storyline kind of say, I know what's going to happen or I think I can know what's, I know what's going to happen. So I can't really say too much, but it's, you know, there's a reason Ollie's not there. And again, that kind of bully mentality plays into exactly what Lex Luger is kind of saying he is essentially like he doesn't give a shit about that. He wants money and he wants titles. And the best way to get money and titles is to be a horseman. Exactly. Um, And then they come out uh, and they deliver a promo at the end. And Arn, man, Arn was on top of this promo, dude. He was all about it. I didn't write down everything he said, but I did write down where he says, we are the elite. And I was like, (laughs) yes, you are. And you're now you're in a company with people who say they are who aren't even freaking close. Yeah, I know. I cringe when I heard him say that. I'm like, yep, okay, I get what's going on here. (laughs) But you know, but he really was like he was talking like he had a he had that he was getting that promo over, and uh, never let it be said that Arn Anderson is not a great promo. Which I mean, I don't. Nobody's ever going to say that. But well, I mean, some I'm sure. Well, you're, you mean you got a guy tell you that Brock Lesnar was not as good as um, Jack Perry, so you never know. People will say lots of crazy things eventually. <laughs> yeah. No, he's yeah. He said Jack Perry's better, a better wrestler than Brock Lesnar. Yeah. No. I'm like, by wrong. what definable metric do you mean? Because Brock Lesnar sold a shit ton of tickets. Jack Perry's never drawn a fucking dime. Nobody yeah. has ever been like, oh, Jack Perry's on this show. We got to go buy these these $60 tickets to go see it. No. Exactly. In fact, $60 tickets will get you ringside at uh, Rampage. <laughs> Sorry. Did you, you saw the thing about the, the, the $40 for four tickets for double or yes. nothing, right? Yeah. <laughs> like. They're wow. not desperate to sell tickets at all. And the guy's like, oh, it's two-thirds of the way full. I'm like, well, one, it's not even full because they sold more tickets than this to this show last year in the exact same building. Yeah. So it's set up for 9,000 tickets, and it looks like they're going to sell about seven. That's not really good for bad. one of it's your top good. four pay-per-views of the year. Exactly. But Wembley. But Wembley. Oh, yeah. Wembley. But anyway, yeah, that, that was. Really, I hope it translates well, but I don't think it will. I think it's going to be a pretty sparse showing. But um, so that was the end of WCW for January seventeenth. Very good show, a plus show. Way to go, Dusty. Way to go, Jim. Way to go, all, all everybody. Thank you to Ric Flair for the that amazing freaking promo. <laughs> yep, one of the one of if not the best. Um. So there were a couple other things I wanted to talk about here before sure. we go. And I know we're heading into the two hour range. So how did we do that when we only watched one show? 
because we got off on tangent, we brought the tangent train with us. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's <sighs> always do we, that. We we go down every freaking sidetrack we possibly can. That's which is okay. I'm okay with that. Well, I mean that's fun. I mean, help, dude, people listen to the drive through, and that thing is like four hours sometimes. Like, yeah, it's ridiculous. That's why I stopped listening to the whole show and just started listening to the YouTube clips. But then I end up like two weeks behind, which is fun because, well, it's it's also I do it a little bit on purpose because I don't want anybody to ever accuse me of copying Jim Cornette's takes. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I could be like, dude, I haven't even listened to that. Like, I don't know what the fuck he said. So anyway, um, a couple of things. My wife brought this up last night and. Or maybe it was this morning. I can't remember. Uh, but she was like, she thinks the Brock and the Cody stuff from Monday is a little too much. She's like, why is Brock Lesnar having to break a guy's hand or arm? You know what I mean? Like, he's Brock yeah. Lesnar. Why is he always attacking Cody from behind? And why is he breaking his arm? Like, that doesn't, like, he's Brock Lesnar. You know what I mean? And I think she's got a little bit of a point. Cause there's no, there's been zero fucking explanation for this. And that's the same type of shit that we hit AEW for all the fucking time is yeah. doing shit with no fucking explanation. It's been almost a month. Somebody needs to explain fucking something. Lucy triple H, you got some spaining to do. Am I right? Yeah. The only thing I can come up with is that, you know, Brock is mad that he got like, what was a fluke victory, I guess. But that doesn't explain why Brock has gone off the handle. Yeah. And like I keep thinking, like, is there a history here that I'm not aware of? Are they like does does Lesnar hate the Rhodes family for something? Did did Dusty, you know, not think Brock was gonna be a star? Like what happened here? Because it's not making there's there's a disconnect here for me. It's like I get that they you know, Brock's mad that he lost. Yeah. I mean he should be mad. Anybody should be mad that they lose a match. You know, that's what that's why you're here. But to go off like this is insane. I mean, it doesn't doesn't make sense why he's so angry about everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they, need, they really do need to explain what the hell's going on here. Like a Brock, why? I mean, it's not going to happen between now and tomorrow, or yeah. now and Saturday. But it's like there's got to be a reason you're upset here. Yeah, and it like there's, I hope, like my frame of reference is there was a Family Guy episode, right, where, um, oh, what's his name, Cleveland, is just like boiling over rage um, with Craigmire, who I guess slept with his wife. Yeah. And they're watching some TV show, like Cleveland and Stewie, right? And all of a sudden, Cleveland just flips the sofa. And Stewie's like, yeah, that's an acceptable... Um, that, that's a... Well, I can't remember the exact phrase, but it's like, yeah, that's a um, normal reaction to this. Yeah. And it's like, that's what we're seeing. Like, okay why is Brock going this crazy? It's not a normal reaction given what we know. So unless they're doing a third match, which I really don't want them to continue, they really needed to explain where this you know, uncontrolled rage is coming from. They're, they're doing a third match. Brock's going to win this one. They're doing a third match. I'm positive. Okay, then it. they better explain it. Yeah, they have to explain I mean, it. But I mean, I, I, will, I will say this, though. There was no reason to do a third match with Seth Rollins, yet they did it. So yeah. it's not out of character for Cody to win two in a row and then win the rubber match, which isn't a rubber match at that point. Well, but, he's not good. I don't think he's going to win this match. I think Brock's going to beat him this match. 
I thought he was going to beat him in the second match, in the first match. No, I knew he wasn't going to beat him. You can't have Cody lose at WrestleMania and then lose the next best big match after WrestleMania. He had to win that match. But I he wanted this was to all fluke. about rebuilding him. <laughs> you know, so if he win, but he won. Yeah, he won. He won in a good match, and he won. He didn't win super convincingly, but then again, it's Brock Lesnar, so yeah, so true. he'll probably lose this match because of the arm. He'll yeah. have to tap out, and then he'll win decisively in a pinfall in mm-hmm. the third match. Okay, you know, I, I, I that that's the way that that I would. That's the way I would book it to have it because mm-hmm. that's the only way you get to a third match is if it's one and one. The only reason the the set thing went the way it did, I think, is because. They well, they only had two matches though, two pay per view matches, didn't they? No, they had a third. I thought. No, I thought they only had the two. They had the one at Mania and the one at uh, in the Hell in the Cell match. Well, they had three matches because they went Seth went three and zero, so Seth went zero and three. Oh well, then they must have had a match on TV or something. I thought he did. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. All I know is he won both. He won all the matches he faced Seth in. Yeah, I think well, Seth might have been. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, don't ask me. He, well, Seth went zero and three against Cody, and is still considered the guy who's going to be the world heavyweight champion. So it didn't fucking hurt Seth one bit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, of course he's been like you know that that was way before now, but still. Um, but yeah, I just I, I would like an explanation, please, because yeah, I be can't good. I can't be like with AEW. Why is this match happening? Why is this match happening? And not point out that there's zero reason for this second Brock and Cody match to really even happen, other than Brock's pissed yeah. off about the first match, which he hasn't fucking said as much. Nobody said anything. Exactly. You know, Cody's Cody's said, you know, what he thinks it is. But that doesn't, that's not a definitive answer. You know, sometimes yeah. the heels got to say, I'm pissed off that you won that match. I'm going to beat the shit out of you until I beat you again. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's yeah. really easy for Brock Lesnar to say because that's kind of just his MO anyway when he's a heel. Yeah. And it's all they have to do. Just give an interview. Just explain it. Just once. Don't make it, doesn't need to be convoluted. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, let's see what's next. We have, okay, I want to, yeah, I want to talk about this because these both interject into each other. I, again, baby faces doing heel things. I'm watching NXT. Noam Dar, Nathan Frazier having a great match. Just good. Back and forth. Noam's, you know, he needs to shine here. He's getting a ton of good heat on Frazier. Uh, Frazier's selling. Gets a little bit of a comeback. Noam shuts him back down. Out comes Dragon Lee. What? Starts messing with the Heritage Cup Championship in an obvious attempt to distract Noam Dar, who is supposed to be the heel. The baby face that he's facing at the pay-per-view comes out to distract the heel so that the other baby face can get an advantage in the match and win. That's a heel thing. That's what heels do, not baby faces. Yeah. I, I mean, and it's not I like see... Noam Dar's been doing this over and over to Dragon Lee for a period of time where it would, um, 
where it would need to be like, oh, well, he finally got one over on him. Yeah. He's just doing it to be an ass. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I was going to say, like, I've seen faces do that, but usually it's in response to the heel having done it to them a few times. So, yeah, you're right. It's it's a weird thing to do when it's been unprovoked. Mm-hmm. It's not like, like, oh, he's given him a taste of his own medicine. It's, well, I'm just going to mess around with the baby, oh, mess around with the heel. Yep. That's, 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 that's not, traditionally, it's not a thing. Yeah. It's only been in response to like, oh, you've done it to me. You've cost me my match like three times. Now I'm going to cost you yours. Yeah. Or like, you know, they, they fire first. In retaliation. Know? In yeah. retaliation, usually after several, after the heels done it or attempted to do it several times. Exactly. That's like in a match. Uh, the baby faces should never be the person who pulls out a chair first or right. who cheats first or anything. Even in a no DQ, no disqualification, lazy booking match. Yeah. They, the the baby face shouldn't be the one doing that shit first. It should be the heel. The baby face exactly. should only cheat or do anything beyond actual wrestling moves when he is pushed to the brink of having to do it because the heels the heel has forced his hand and made him have to do this. You see what I'm saying? 100%. Yeah, because hundred percent true. That's what makes him the good guy. It makes the bad guy. The bad guy. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just the face being a dick. Yeah. Yeah. You're and just it doesn't make sense dick. to me. Hey, can you hold on for one second? I just got to do one thing. Yeah. So there we go. That's that's that. Hold on. I've gotta, I got to. I want to bring something up here on my phone because I want to talk about something real quick. This is something I noticed the other day on Twitter. And uh, let's see if I can find it. I think I might have retweeted it. So let's go to my profile. Mainly I retweeted it so I could find access to it later. Nope. And yes, it's an AEW thing. There we go. Okay, so I've got that loaded up. But on the... uh, on the topic of NXT, I want to talk about HBK for a second because I've seen a lot of people out there talk about how Shawn Michaels should be the Booker of the Year. And I say to that. I'm back. Okay, well, here's the next thing I wanted to talk about. Shawn Michaels being Booker of the Year, and you're not happy about it. Yes, I am to that. He's it's not he's not doing good booking. He's no, he's not. he's coming up with some good matches. You know, like the matchups are pretty good, but the booking doesn't really make a whole lot of fucking sense. Really, when when yeah. you sit down and think about it, like, and I'm sorry. And I know the internet, the internet wrestling community, half of them is going to hate this and half of them would fucking love it. But the match for the damn uh, women's women's title should have either been Cora Jade versus Roxanne Perez or freaking uh, JC Jane versus Gigi Dolan. It should have incorporated a feud that was already taking place. So that one of them would be champion, preferably the heel, because 
Heel champions are better because you can throw baby faces at them, and the baby faces can lose because the heel can cheat, and you can extend fucking um, a, a feuds longer because the baby faces, all the baby faces, heel, all the baby faces shine is in the chase. It's not in the actual winning of the title. Does that yeah. make sense? Hundred uh, percent. So having Tiffany Stratton. Who, I, who is nowhere near ready to be freaking champion. I don't care how much you like, how much the, uh, the, these people on Twitter like the way she looks. She's not good enough. She she was in there with Roxanne Perez, who's probably one of the best female wrestlers on in the NXT locker room. She's certainly, I think she's certainly one of the top, she's one of the top females. Probably one of yeah. the top overall wrestlers just for understanding how to do things and even understanding in-ring psychology because the way she sells and shit is just fantastic. Like I've seen her sell a knee uh, somebody worked on for like two minutes, an entire match. And I'm like, Oh, thank you. Like you, you're actually like making this look real. You know what I mean? But she's not, yeah. she's not ready. You know, Roxanne wasn't ready when they put the title on her. They just had to get it off of Mandy because Mandy was getting fired. But yeah. Tiffany Stratton's nowhere near ready. She is way too green to be to carry the division. Um, yes, I agree. I think J.C. Jane or Gigi Dolan would be ready, and I think Cora Jade could be ready just as an obnoxious, like, better than you, I'm going to cheat to win heel. Kind of a little yeah. bit of a chicken shit too, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. J.C. Jane would be my prefer my preference because she's so got that just crazy bitch vibe about her that just it's hard to keep your eyes off of her in the ring because you just like what the what is she gonna do next? You know? Yeah. So I mean, I kind of feel the same way about Gigi Dolan. I like yeah. her a lot now. I didn't like her in the beginning, but she's actually grown on me uh, tremendously. Oh yeah, she, well she's a Gigi's a good worker. I saw yeah, her in a uh, NWA match for the I think it was for the NWA title against uh, was it Camille? It was right at the very beginning of the pandemic. It was before um, uh, what's his face? I forget what his name is. The the commentator left. Mm -hmm. to go to uh, uh, West Coast Wrestling. Um, but yeah, and she was really good. So, got no problem with Gigi Dolan. I just, I like JC Jane. I think she looks the part. I think she gets how to carry herself in that heel role really well. Yeah. You know. Um, so, no. And I don't, you know, the whole, the North American title is, whatever i have no idea what's going on with that the tag titles are on gallus which is good but nobody else seems up to their level so you know you can't put it on the creeds they're green as crap i don't know i just think i think sean michaels is getting more credit for just putting together decent matches than for actually booking storylines yeah you see what i'm saying a hundred percent. So I get, yeah. I, it's 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 basically doing like I don't know how to explain it, but it's just he's just throwing 
he's throwing together talent that can actually do good matches, but there's no storyline. There's actually absolutely no rhyme or reason at times. Mm-hmm. And the ones that would make better sense are just kind of ignored or forgotten. Yep. So anyway, and this is the last thing I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Is I just want to read these matches off and see if you can figure out what's not on this card. Okay. Sure. This is the double or nothing card. This is this is Saturday's. This show is going to be on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Unsanctioned match. Uh, Adam Cole versus uh, Chris Jericho. Okay. TBS title match. A Jade Cargill versus Ty Valkyrie. A tag team championship match with special guest referee uh, Mark Briscoe. Lethal and uh, Jarrett versus FTR. A casino or a blackjack battle royal to determine for the AEW International Championship. A ladder match for the TNT Championship, Wardlow versus Christian Cage. A uh, The Women's World Championship match, Tony, Tony Storm versus Jamie Hayter. Anarchy in the Arena match with the Elite versus the Blackpool Combat Club. And a fatal four-way for the AEW World Championship, Jack Perry versus MJF versus Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara. What is lacking from this wrestling pay-per-view card? Is there a cage match? No, no. <laughs> Actual <laughs> wrestling matches. Oh, yeah, I know. It's There's basically two. W, WCW Uncensored all over again. The initial Uncensored. There's two matches. They're, match. And they're both the women's matches. Yep. All gimmick matches. That are that, that are just straight up wrestling matches. I mean, I guess technically the FTR versus Lethal and Jarrett, but with a special guest referee, that's still a gimmick match because that means the referee has to play into the finish somehow, which means that it's not really a straight one on a straight two on two tag team match. Yeah. From the company that was supposed to 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 to, to present wrestling was supposed to be mm-hmm. a wrestling company. They even have it in the name wrestling. Two wrestling matches. That's that's yep. two of the eight matches. So that's a twenty five percent of their of the entire pay-per-view card is actual wrestling matches seems about right <laughs> where you no, put that and you put that up against wrestlemania which was two nights how many gimmick matches were there at wrestlemania gimmick matches two two maybe there was probably a ladder match and a tlc match no there wasn't a tlc match i don't think there was a ladder match either there had to be a ladder match. There's always a ladder match. No, there wasn't a ladder match. I might. I'll have to go back and look. If anybody out there wants to uh, message me at Back to the Ring or message Rob at, at Real Panoy Rob at the Real Panoy Rob, excuse me, uh, uh, and let us know how many gimmick matches were in uh, WrestleMania this year, <laughs> which I'm guessing was one, maybe two. For two mm-hmm. nights. <laughs> so, you know, there you go again. Triple yes, H is Booker of the Year. <laughs> so, you seven viewers out there, let us know what's happening. Of the seven, yes. The seven. Of the seven of you. The seven listens that we got last week, let us know. Um, but uh, for now, we are going to sign off. 
thank you so much for sitting through our ramblings and our tangents. We appreciate you all, all seven of you. Maybe we can hit a dozen next week. That'll be fantastic because we will be doing another WCW review from, I'm guessing it's going to be January 24th. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. This was the 16th. So uh, we'll see what happens with all of that, what goes on with Lex Luger and the Horsemen, how Barry Windham plays into it, Dusty Rhodes, Nikita, Vladimir, and I Uncle Ivan, and uh, so on and so forth. Will the Rock and Roll Express get a title match? Will Paul Ellering fall from the scaffold? Will Jim Cornette ever grow a pair of balls? We'll find out all of this. Same bat time, same bat channel. <laughs> Sorry. I couldn't help myself. I got on a roll. Anyway, we will see you all later. Uh, anything to I add? I like it. It's a, better, it's a new ending. What was that? Nope, that's it. All that's right. what I like it. It's a new, it's a new way to end, this, end, end our show. We will see you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. In the words of our good friend Arn Anderson, it's been your pleasure. Good night. <laughs>